Well, good morning, and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. As we approach Christmas and lead up to the birth narrative in Luke, we finish chapter 1 today with the story of Mary and Elizabeth and their reaction to God's call upon their lives. We invite you today to join us as we look at Mary's song and the scope of her praise, along with the key characteristic of faith and trust as demonstrated by this, the Mother of God incarnate. Thanks for listening. One of the things that you can see when uh, children are involved is the, the love of uh, the moms. I mean, the dads love it too, but the moms do most of the work. Is, any amens with that? Right? Yeah. Uh, yesterday was uh, my daughter's, uh, she's in dance, so it was her dance recital. And Emily puts in, I mean, all kinds of energy and effort to making that. I mean, she's doing her hair. She's, she's helping her with everything. She's making sure she has everything she needs. She takes her to practice and picks her up from practice. And do you know how long the recital was? Two minutes for her. All of that work for two minutes. But see, that, that's what the love of a mom, right? That's what a mom does. And uh, when I got to see uh, Lane and Chelsea at the hospital and she's, She's just finished with labor and she's still like, oh, exhausted. There was just the joy in her heart because that's what a mom does. Just goes through that labor for her children. Even um, my own mom. Yesterday, um, I was hungry. She got me Taco Bell. And then Micah, as we're coming back, Micah's like, I'm hungry. So she's got to feed two of us now. So that's, see, that's what a mom does. Can, can you recognize the way in which your mom uh, just has a heart to serve and to love and to give? Where does that come from? And uh, this morning, just as we're kind of walking through Luke, and we'll be a, we'll be a little brief today, um, we're going we're gonna to look at Mary's song as we finish up Luke chapter 1. Um, I'm, I'm going to want us to see, though, something that Luke hides in here, which I'm going to qualify as the key characteristic of a godly mother. Uh, the key characteristic of a godly mother, but really something that will apply to all of our hearts as we uh, look into God's Word. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Uh, We're going to read about the story of two moms, Mary and Elizabeth, starting in verse 39 through 56. It's page 1588 on the Pew Bibles. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting... The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel. 
remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Uh, you, you can set yourself, as we have been in Luke chapter 1, in the kind of the, the setting of the narrative, right? Mary, as we saw last week, was just visited by the angel Gabriel. She's told that she is going to bear the Son of God. His name will be Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be called the Son of God. And Mary, at this point, goes to visit Elizabeth. The text helps us to see that that's in her sixth month. And uh, as you saw the interchange there between Mary and Elizabeth... Uh, you'll see Mary leaves about three months later. Who, who thinks they know why Mary left? What takes six months plus three months, right? It's very likely that John the Baptist was born, but Mary stayed that whole time uh, to help Elizabeth. What I want us to see this morning is just how the Spirit would speak to us through his word, identifying what Mary has said in her song. Uh, there are three main sections to her song. Uh, the first is she gives praise for what God has done specifically for her. Secondly, she gives praise for what God does uh, to, to those who fear him is the way that she frames it. But it's to everybody, not just to her. And then lastly, Mary praises God for his faithfulness specifically to Israel. Uh, look with me starting in verse uh, 46 and 47. Uh, Mary recognizes that worship for her is something that begins in her heart. It's something that begins inside. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices with God, my Savior. I think she helps us to see right at the very beginning that when it comes to worshiping God, it begins in your heart. That's the source of worship. It's not the harmonies or the, or the singing and worship isn't something you do with your lips. We've talked about this, right? Worship is something that you do with your heart. And I think that's a helpful reminder for us to recognize that as we come to worship God, it really begins in our, our soul, it begins in our spirit, and this is the part of Mary that has been moved. So she begins with that. In verse 48, she remembers specifically that God exalts the humble, but he opposes the proud. Uh, this is a, a sentiment that you find throughout the New Testament writers. Routinely, we recognize that our God is a God that sends his loving gaze not unto those who are high and mighty in their own hearts, but God looks upon those who are humble. A good reminder for us as well this morning, as we see the example from Mary, both in her circumstance and now in her worship, that we need to be like her in our attitude in respect to how we come to God. Not as those who are proud of what we can achieve, but as those who recognize that even God's grace to us, to give us life this day, is something that we don't deserve God opposes the proud, but he exalts those who are humble. Uh, she recognizes a mindfulness of God in verse 48. You, you see that word there? For he has been mindful. This is an interesting word that she's used. It may be translated differently in your Bible. But really what it means is to send your gaze upon those who are in need. To, to, to look with a heart of compassion. That's what it means to be mindful. I have a little plant that sits over on my desk, and uh, I looked over at it the other day, and it was just, what happens when you don't water a plant, right? Just, I mean, the thing's just popping over sideways, and yeah, I kind of I set my gaze towards it, right? Here's this humble little plant, so what did I do? Yeah, took care of it. That's the same idea here. That's what this word is, that when life hits you hard, when it's low, when you feel like I got nothing left, humble yourself. 
Look to God because he sends his gaze to you. He looks upon you. That's what this word mindfulness means, as she says in verse 48. And recognizing that humility uh, is uh, the state of her existence. It's the posture of her heart. Uh, Additionally, in verse 48, you might recognize Mary's confidence. right? Because of God's mindfulness, look what she says. I want you to see a couple of things. Verse 48 here starts out in the past tense. Did everybody see that? God has been mindful. It's something that he has done. Can you think of anything God's done for you? Can anybody remember those days when you were in need and God made a way where there was no way? That's what Mary's exclaiming here. He's been faithful in the past. So look what she can say in the future. The end of verse 48. From now on. What tense is that? It's not past, it's not present. What is it? It's future tense. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. And this comes because of Mary's confidence in God's mercy, in God's mindfulness. This is the God that she serves and loves. So we see finally in verse uh, 49, as we wrap up Mary uh, in her praise for what God has done for her, uh, she refers to God as the mighty one, And that he has done great things for me. Um, She gives credit where credit is due. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy in my own life when things happen to go well, right? Sometimes things go wrong and it's, it's, we're quick to blame God then, right? When things aren't going your way, boy, it sure is God's fault. But you know what? I'm a little slow in my heart that when things are going well, I ought to praise him for that. Sometimes I think it was by my own Smarts, right? By my own ingenuity or effort, but it's not. When things are going well for you, that too, and maybe more specifically, comes from God's loving hand, loving gaze, to be mindful, to be merciful. And so she gives credit where credit is due. How very important is that for us? To make sure that we recognize that we have to give God all the credit. He is the mighty one. He has done great things, she declares. And then lastly, she says, holy is his name. The response for what God has done for Mary is giving honor to God. Holy is his name. It's something that we pray every Sunday as we come, right? Our Father who art in heaven, what do we say? Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name, for that is who our God is. And I want you to recognize that the praise that comes from Mary's lips, it comes because God has showed up. But she sees it when she recognizes it in contrast to her humble state, her humble situation. I want you to know, church, that God is there for you. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're going through, God's not far away. He's right with you. And if it feels like the pressure is still on, if the temperature is still turned up in the situation of your life, just know this, God's not through with you yet, but he hasn't abandoned you. He's still working. He's still preparing you. And being mindful of you. We need to be like Mary. We need to give credit where credit is due. We need to pay honor to God for what he has done. All right, very briefly, now let's look at the second section. Um, As Mary praises God for what he does for everyone. Verse 50, recognize this. He says, or she says, mercy extends to who? To those who fear him. I want to make sure we recognize that. Uh, that God's love is not bound up only to those who are up preaching and teaching, only those serving in the church. God's love is extended to all those who fear Him. And to fear Him means to recognize His authority. To fear God means to recognize His position as God, that He is the one who's in charge. In verse 51 and 52, she repeats this theme 
that we saw already earlier uh, in verse 48. Uh, she says this, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm and has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. What have we already seen? God exalts who? The humble or the proud? He exalts the humble. What does he do to the proud? In this case, scatters, right? He opposes those who are proud. Verse 52, he says the same thing. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has done what to the humble? Do you see it again? Verse 52 at the end. Lifted up the humble. Is everybody kind of catching the theme here? Everybody seeing what is resonating in Mary's heart? And you would know that even uh, Jesus, uh, being fully God, uh, knowing exactly the words from the Father, but yet being raised from Mary, is being influenced by this attitude that Mary herself carries and continues to emphasize. That God opposes the proud but lifts high those who are humble. The last thing I want you to see in verse 53, as she concludes what God does for everybody, says that he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. It reminds me of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5 when he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? And you, you don't have to search hard to connect the dots for the influence of this, this godly mother for her child Jesus. It becomes the, the opening statement of his uh, predominant message in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And Mary says the same thing. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich way empty. All right. The last section here, praise uh, that she delivers to God on behalf of what he has done for Israel. Uh, I want you to recognize the adjective given to Israel in verse 54. He has helped his servant. It's, it's the title. It, it's a qualifier to Israel. What was the purpose of Israel? What was the purpose for God identifying a people for himself? Well, it was to be his servant. It was to do his work on earth. What about us today, church? Why are we here? How come when you got saved, God didn't just immediately take you to heaven? Why did he leave you here? Because he has a task for you. You are called to be his servant. And so here, as we recognize praise, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. Look at the time stamp in verse 25 to Abraham and his descendants for how long? Forever. Does everybody see that? That's the God that you serve, church. That's the God that you serve. Look here, Christmas can be tough. Amen? I was telling my wife last night, I feel like I'm right on the edge of going nuts. <laughs> I'm not there. I'm not going nuts. But I'm right at the edge, right? About as far as you can go. And it's fantastic. It's wonderful. And it's a challenge for the believer to live in a foreign world where we don't belong that's saturating us with consumerism and materialism. Focus on Christ, right? To make it all about the birthday of Jesus and not presents for me. That's a challenge. And Christmas can be a hard time, especially for others who have either lost loved ones or maybe are given that very stark reminder of having to deal with a family dynamic that's broken, right? And relatives, and you all know what it's like. It can be hard. I want you to remember Mary's prayer today. He extends his mercy to his servant. To Abraham and Abraham's descendants. That's those who believe by faith. The faith of Abraham. That's you. He extends his mercy to you. Forever. Forever. 
So here is what I want to put down as a characteristic of a godly mother as we've looked at Elizabeth and Mary. Uh, It's been said that the heart of a godly mother is the closest we get to the true heart of God. See, she is patient and God is patient. She is humble and God is slow to anger. She's steadfast and God is faithful. And she is compassionate and God is merciful and mindful as we have seen today. So... What is the key characteristic? What is it? Everybody ready? Here it is. I think you find it in verse 45. Mary says these words. Blessed is she who believed that what the Lord had said to her will be accomplished. Think about that for a moment. Blessed, happy, Full is the one who believed what the Lord has said will be accomplished. Do you know what our Bible says about our Lord? Jesus leaves his disciples and every one of you is his disciple. And he says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It doesn't matter what you face, church. We, we, we got a family just down the road who's going through a really hard time. Just lost, just lost their son. Terrible, tragic accident. And many of you know uh, of the suicide from last week. Is God gone? God disappeared? Did did God fall asleep? Is he not there? I I, I promise you that if you think that way, if you let your mind track that way, you won't feel blessed. You won't have fullness and joy. Elizabeth gets it right for Mary. Blessed is she... Or he who believed that what the Lord has said, it will be accomplished. It's a tough, it's a tough lesson, but it's one that characterizes for us the epitome of what it means to be a, a, godly, a godly mom, maybe, but maybe more than that, a true Christ follower. So here's my challenge to you today as we wrap this up. Two questions. Number one, what has God promised to you? How does the Lord speak to you? Through his word, and he speaks through his word. What does he promise to you? To never leave you, right? To never forsake you? And secondly, what has he already done for you? My challenge to you is to be like Mary. Right? That's it for this week. Here's my challenge. And you don't don't have to do this, but I think you should. Mary, she lists out three categories of how God is faithful. What he has done for me, what he does for everybody, and what he has done to those he has promised Make a list. See if you can make a list. Mary listed three things. See if you can list five. That's the challenge. See if you can list five things that God has done for you. Because when you do that, you'll be like Mary. You'll have a song on your lips. You have joy in your heart. Because you, just like Elizabeth has said, is blessed as she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Let's pray this morning.